All right, to start this episode, uh, we obviously need to reference the tragic incident that occurred in Reading uh, last Saturday night, where unfortunately three people were killed. Our thoughts and condolences are with the friends and family of those killed, also the injured and whoever witnessed uh, this horrific attack. Reading, for us, has always been vibrant, diverse and a welcoming place. Uh, we both moved and met in Reading in 2010 and the community has always welcomed, supported and adopted us and we're always considered Reading a special place for us. Even Forbury Garden itself, uh, which was the location of the attack, it's, it's held significant moments in, in our lives as it does for many who live and work in the town. Uh, we know Reading will bounce back and continue to be a beautiful place to work and live despite this cowardly act of terror. Morning, Steve. Morning. Uh, we had some feedback from the last episode that uh, from from your your significant other. Oh, yeah. Yep. That that um, good feedback. Thanks for listening. Um, but apparently, I'm I'm a bit difficult to understand. But I don't know if it is a. <laughs> she actually uh, changed her mind. <laughs> All right. Okay. I think, I think the more the more she listened to, you, I guess it's like when you hear a new voice not in your native language it might be a bit weird because she's used to my voice i guess which is a strange <laughs> it's a strange strange dialect um but i think when she got used to it she actually changed her mind and said that you're more clear than me which oh, there you go. Is, is normal so i'm a grower i'm a grower <laughs> well yeah i'll try and enunciate a bit better yep. this episode um she also sh shared it with her colleagues so maybe we have some listeners now in Prague. I, I did notice on stats there is a significant concentration of listeners from the <laughs> Prague area. Um, yeah. So that explains that. Yeah. Um, Welcome. Well, yeah. Hello to all, the all our Czech friends. <laughs> well, who may not necessarily be Czech. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. Everyone is welcome. <laughs> um, so, Steve, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, I guess as normal in these times, it's been quite a few things going on um but i guess yeah mainly we're working on a few projects in board games at the moment which we're launching next week so main focus which has been quite nice because um i guess there's a, a deadline behind it and you're sort of walking towards that not running just walking <laughs> yeah. did you say walking or working i said working <laughs> Most of, my, most of the stuff that I need to get sorted for the move to Prague is done now. Um, I since actually moved the stuff uh, to its location. These are things is all arranged now, which is good. Um, so yeah. you're approved, you've got the stamp? Well, not approved, I've sent it off. <laughs> ah. I've reached a stage where you can send it off. And, yeah. So it's in, it's in the profilings of the Czech parliament or whatever. <laughs> Nice. So, how about you? Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting week. I guess re uh, restrictions are being relaxed a little. So um, I was able to see my parents at the weekend, be at, dis at a distance. But yeah, that was really nice. And yeah, it seems like we're now quickly ramping up like what we're allowed to do and, and what the advice is, um, which is good. It all seems to be heading in the right direction. But there's still like loads of practical concerns around it. Obviously now they're opening up restaurants from the start of July and, um, but then you still have to impose distancing. Transport is another issue. Like how do you even get to 
these workplaces that are now opening up. Like for instance, you know, if we were to go into the um, Wild Goose London office, which is in the heart of you know, London, just around the corner from Oxford Circus tube station, then, I mean, there's so many logistical issues with that, that, um, or it's just not feasible at this time. So yeah, it's an interesting bringing out that there's obviously new, new problems. And I know we're going to talk a bit about some ideas we've had later on about solution problems and solutions. Yeah. What's your, what's your feeling towards the, the decision, I guess, do you think it's the right one at this stage? Oh, we're getting political. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I mean, I am dumbfounded and in shock that there has not been a second wave. Mm. Um, obviously, in the US, it's, it's looking quite bleak as of today. There seems to be a, you know, I think it's a record amount in, the, in total of new cases yesterday, even after the first wave. Um, yeah, I'm just kind of yeah shocked that there wasn't a uptick, a second uptick, and I think we either got lucky or we had good timing. I don't know. Um, but it feels, it does for me, I guess, feel like the time to start cautiously um, looking at getting things going. I do, however, think the two meter rule should have stayed um, and not been relaxed. I think it's getting a bit fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And personally, I would have preferred to go to a restaurant where I'm sitting two meters away from people than one meter away. Um, yeah, that's true. So actually I- I'm less likely now to, go out to these places and and actually spend my money so i'm not too sure that's a good point if that's if that's like a shared view but that's yeah that's kind of where where i'm sitting i mean yeah that might be one of the reasonings i guess that they lowered it so that you can occupy more space in a restaurant and things like that i guess 100 percent. i don't know normally tables are about meter i guess so a lot of people might not have to change um, yeah apart from like pizza express where they cram you in um sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and yeah there's obviously some random quirks around some uh establishments that can't open and yeah it's just and also it's really quick like uh, there was no official confirmation until um two days ago that that this was actually going to happen it was still like fluid and uh now restaurants not just restaurants but all these establishments need to react really quickly and and get ready yeah yeah there's yeah there's some imbalance between decisions like i saw one that was um you know barbers opening but then beauticians and like nail parlors are not allowed to be open and it there's kind of a yeah sort of a weird balance there um like i guess it will come in time i'm sure and more people business owners that raise their voice around these things i'm sure will probably become the rules with um this whole pandemic has it has it made you appreciate barbers a lot more <laughs> um yes yes but I, I think i've lived okay without a barber i mean <laughs> i did my week-long haircut which has kept it's gone it kept going now but um yeah i guess these and i don't know i think i think it would be interesting if everyone just did their own haircut i think it would <laughs> yeah i mean i'm planning for, for at least the rest of the year i'm planning to do my do my do mm. my own or at least get my wife to do it she yeah. luckily she seems to be quite a damn hand of it and um, <laughs> i haven't i haven't had a horrible haircut which is which is fortunate um yeah. cool so yeah moving on and then in other in other kind of happenings this week i was uh watching netflix series called the last dance which is uh, mm. about chicago bulls um michael jordan 
uh, but also like uh, Dennis Rodman and others within the, the dynasty of, of the 90s era. Um, and yeah, I'm still halfway like through it, but it is such a good good program just to get a bit of nostalgia and yeah. kind of it's, goes back to simpler times. It's nice. Yeah. It's, it's a really amazing production um, and how they put it together. I think if anyone, even I'm not interested in basketball really, apart from the NBA streets that I played as a kid. Uh, but like, it just makes you really interested in it and the dynamic of it and the shots that they lead up to it and the whole storytelling of it is just really engaging. Yeah, highly, highly recommended. They managed to do like cliffhangers about a real thing. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's very good. Yeah, full of nostalgia. Makes me want to go back to the 90s. Yeah. Do you remember? I mean, I mean, I remember Space Jam as a kid. Yeah. Like, yeah I remember for our, like, yeah. our age, yeah, Space Jam would have been our introduction to kind of the Michael Jordan yeah. hype. But um, I mean, he was against. He was a, he was behind a lot of the prominence of Nike, Nike, mm-hmm. um, and their rise during the 90s. Yeah. So, which I was definitely had influence of in that kind of style and here and the other brands, obviously followed so yeah huge cultural impact whether it was manufactured or not you can't deny that was a huge impact yeah um so another event this week is wwdc which is the um apple developer conference that they run every year obviously this year it's virtual um which is a bit different so the hype is a bit less i'd say um but obviously being um our kind of core is is app development and we've always remained that interest we're obviously always interested to see um, what's coming out of it. We won't delve too much into what was an, what was announced because obviously other podcasts cover that better. Um, but I guess, you know, any highlights from, from your side as to what you're excited um, about? I think the, firstly with the, the virtual stuff, I, I think it is a blessing in disguise a little bit because the way that they did the conferences before I lost interest over the past couple of years just because it was very saving. Um, and they were trying to, it was always like mass over, overly like, I don't know, hyped and overly just over the top with the production of it. And I, I guess they were trying to live up to what it was before with, with Steve jobs and, and those announcements. And it, it never really fared right over the past couple of years. So I, I think it's a welcome thing and it'd be interesting to see what they do in the future as well. Um, but the actual technical um, side of it, um, app clips, which I think is interesting, and it's I, I think there's there's something like this before. I can't remember what it was called. So Google have um, instant apps. Um, yeah, just just to fill people in, it's it's effectively um, rather than having to go and download an app to perform an action or to pay for something, let's say in a shop. Um, these kind of pre-packaged, very small app type experiences um, that allow one or two quick interactions um, without downloading the application. And they could be activated by URLs, QR codes, um, NFC. So yeah, we know that this obviously has been on Android, but as we know with iOS and Apple, once they adopt something, it tends to drive adoption up and it tends to actually benefit Android users anyway. and yeah, AppClips is a really interesting uh, thing. It solves a lot of problems that we've had with clients in the past where, you know, in reality, you, people wouldn't download an app just to do this interaction. Um, 
whereas you can now have these really quick interactions and they've even built in ways to actually um, have some form of retention. So you can message users um, about eight hours later with a push notification for re-engagement. So there is like like leave a review or, you know, download the app. So there is kind of a natural marketing curve here where you can have that initial interaction and then get people in based on that experience. Um, and yeah, this is perfect for obviously retail, um, but even just day to day where um, it might be like attendance tracking, where you need to physically actually verify people there, which is, I guess, going to become re relevant soon. Um, petrol. You know, I have like four different petrol apps because I go to different places and now I hopefully won't need those in the future. Um, yeah, and it will be interesting to kind of see um, if companies adopt this because obviously it comes as a risk that they'll get less engagement in terms of like all the petrol apps are full of coffee shop offers and, and that type of thing. Yeah, that's interesting actually. Because, uh, I mean, you, you could still show that within the app clip, maybe. Can you still sort of advertise and get a monetization in there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great acquisition. It's kind of a, a new tool to get put into your acquisition channel. Um, and whilst the, I think over the last few years, the App Store has not been that great of a, you know, search, discover, and download. It, I, I don't think people really do that anymore to find new apps. It's always from different other, other um, channels. And I guess this provides like an easy route in to finding out about your app and providing value. And like you say, following up eight hours or, or further to download the actual app. That's interesting. Do you, know, yeah. do you know what the distribution mechanism is of app clips? So I think um, everything that you, yeah, the main distribute, the way it's distributed is um, basically for a URL reference. So actually you don't scan a QR code, you scan a weird app clip code, which looks like a QR code, but it's not. Um, it's classic Apple where they're proprietary putting proprietary uh, QR codes on things. And effectively that then goes and tells the iOS like where it needs to go and get um, this app clip data from. And the app clips themselves must be so nimble and well optimized that they will just appear instantly. Um, and the initial experiences themselves aren't that heavy, but um, obviously they just give you a nice, as you say, distribution mechanism um, to, to, to get people in. Um, another thing I'm quite excited about is um, and this is like a this is actually an accessibility feature, um, which has just come out, and you can now have a back tap. So on on your phone, if you tap, um, you can set it up to tap twice or tap three times on the back of the phone, and it can perform a certain action. Um, it can be ranging from like showing the app switcher. It can be um, running a shortcut. Um, so it's kind of just a, another mechanism to to interact with the phone, and it's quite natural. Got a natural one to tap back, a bit like a, again Android esque, but um, mm. yeah, I've got one set up so it does the app switcher. So I don't, if I if I'm kind of holding it at the top of the phone, I can actually still app switch. And is it anywhere on the back? Like, do you have to specifically um, uh, do it in a place, or is it the vibration do you think that activates it? Yeah, I think if you shake your phone really subtly, mm. oh no, it does no magic, <laughs> magic. Um, that's really cool, though. I mean, it, can you? Is it like a shortcut in the way that you set it up? As in, like you can set it to do quite a few different actions, or is it a preset? So there's a list of presets, but then there's also shortcuts from your shortcuts app. Um, so you can pretty much do anything you want. Um, you can set it up to log water. You can set it up to 
sends a screenshot to someone on mm. Slack. Um, yeah, really specific. I guess it's like a it's quite a subtle way of using your phone as well. I mean, if you were, if you had like the an alert or trouble app that you were in trouble, like tap in the back of your phone is quite a nice bit action to to trigger something. Yeah, until you do it accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> so I installed iOS fourteen this year early. I usually wait for the public betas, um, but this year I went ahead and. Um, I can report it's all right. It's draining my battery life as expected um, quite quickly, but it's all right because I'm not really going anywhere. Um, and yeah, the new widget stuff is all right. I don't hate it as much as I thought I would, but it is weird. Um, and yeah, the, the Siri, I always find the Siri app suggestions and like action suggestions are actually pretty good. And I've got like a widget to say those. Um, but what's quite interesting is I must have ordered delivery so often recently that now my one of my actions is, you know, open delivery, order from delivery, and send a message to Steve. So there you go. Those are my two priorities in life, apparently. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> is it running off the same mechanism as previous widgets? So only apps that did widgets before can do this? Yeah, but there's quite a few um, system ones, and then obviously people will hopefully be a bit more inclined to to build them because now they are capable of quite a lot more. Um, yeah, nice. it's all right. I'll be interested to see what consumer reception is. I imagine ninety percent of people won't ever use them um, and won't even know they exist. But yeah, we'll see. And I quite like as well that you can you can put them anywhere and have different sizes, hmm. but that's a given. And is there any UI, big UI changes on the default sort of controllers, like on iOS was it 13, that they introduced the popover style of the controller? Not on um, iPhone. On iPad, there's quite a few new like drop downs and things that they've introduced. Yeah. But I, I tend to find a lot with with the latest UI kit improvements on uh, iOS is we support X amount of versions anyway. Um, and their backwards compatibility is typically pretty poor. Like they usually enforce um, the latest version or you, you have to kind of code your own around it. So in terms of adoption, I don't get that excited until a couple of years later anyway, um, when we start dropping the versions that, that they don't support. So yeah, I tend to get less excited about stuff like that. Um, what's interesting as well is the clear kind of indication from Apple, and they've been doing this for a few years now, but this year in particular, where they're kind of saying, you should just start to expect your app to work in very different scenarios um, rather than just like a container, a full screen container in a box. It could be like an overlay, it could be in a widget, it can be in as an app clip. And they're kind of starting to say now, like people can interact with your apps and you should stop thinking about it as like launch screen, you know, main screen menu. It should be like, no, people can view like this particular screen, um, which maybe describes like a restaurant or a menu. And that could be an entry point somewhere completely different than you anticipate it could be from handoff, it could be from um, an app clip. And so it's it's an interesting like way you have to kind of start thinking quite differently about the experience and how that would translate to something like wild queues, which is a very linear experience. You have to scan a code to get started, um, but there could still be different entry points, I guess, to that. So I guess you need to make sure that your UI is not dependent on another screen before that, I guess, but yeah. to, to, to provide that context. Yeah, and it's really difficult to think like that because obviously most yeah. apps um, do have that flow. So, interesting. We'll see. Um, obviously, yeah, there's a new design shift on Mac. Um, 
with Mac OS 11. Um, yeah, it seems to be shadows and things are coming back. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. I think, uh, I think I'm digging it. There's some elements of the new update from what I've seen that look a bit ghastly, but Apple tends to refine stuff pretty quickly before it goes into public. And mm. although you can maybe criticize Apple hardware and Apple, um, you know, buggy software as of late, it always looks damn good. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it'll be good. Trend. So there were kind of a lot of the UI elements are sort of built almost for touch now. Um, and, and whether it's going that way for, from a hardware perspective. But it, yeah, it kind of looks like it's more friendly for, for use with your hands. I guess yeah. they might be moving towards that. Yeah, which is kind of weird, yeah. but there's there's a clear path for iPad or iPad OS and Mac OS. And I think in five years time, I would be very surprised if they're still separate products, yeah. but yeah. Who knows with the speed sometimes Apple moves with some stuff. Mm. Um, and obviously, yeah, they're moving to ARM processors, but that's just a, for me, that's just a weird thing that I, again, I don't get that excited about because I still think it's like two, three years away before full yeah. adoption. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the last thing around it is just the, the lack of, I guess, VR and AR kind of updates. Mm. They've obviously been pushing it really heavily um, in the last couple of years. And there was a few updates this year, but I still feel like there's got to be some hardware coming, or at least there was some hardware coming, whether they ditched out or changed it. Um, I'm still hankering for Apple to to, to make this adopted um, by releasing their own hardware, dedicated hardware for some form of virtual or augmented experience. Yeah, it's interesting because the, the timing of it, you'd expect this is the perfect time to launch something VR or AR related. But uh, yeah, it's a bit weird one. Don't know what they're planning. I guess, I guess it, it is in the pipeline, I'd imagine. Um, or they are ditching it and relying on other companies to just do that, but you still use Apple technology to deliver it. Yeah, I think, yeah, in recent years, obviously, Apple have been kind of pushing it on iPad experience a lot, like tabletop iPad experiences. And it's like they're putting all this hardware in, they're putting all this amazing software, and they are really they've done some amazing stuff in how in in that space and then they kind of just call it there and say yep yeah, that's that's it it's like no there's got to be more there's got to be something and um i hope it's kind of like the apple watch where they were a bit late to the game but when they arrived it was glorious yeah, yeah. um yeah. all right let's uh go on to i guess our own products and i guess any updates around highlights we're following yeah. on from last week where we said we were going to uh, talk to some customers, get some more insight. Yeah. So I didn't do a huge amount. However, had a very interesting conversation with um, someone that I reached out to yesterday. And I sort of initially went for a, I don't know, pull up the email. I was, I was kind of just, you know, reaching out and seeing how he's doing initially because we, we haven't chatted in a long time. But um, I just, yeah, asked him initially, like, kind of picture something. And also from a product perspective, because he's very much a product guy, but also would you actually use this as a customer? Because he's he's running a couple of businesses at the moment. Um, so he pitched me back with something else, but <laughs> we then talked further and I sort of shared um, the initial design 
uh, which I'll, I've highlighted, which was the different segments altogether. So you had um, the latest, the KPIs, the HR people's but uh, resources, and I was yeah, I was just going with the you know uh, we're trying to bring company highlights into a nice dashboard and keeping everyone like your team on the same page. Um, and I kind of mentioned that my initial thinking is that the KPIs and sort of internal metrics is where we kind of want to go, um, which is kind of what, what we discussed last week. Um, and I sort of played it sort of that angle. Um, he kind of backed it up saying, please, capital letters, release this, which is good. Um, and he kind of said, I'll definitely use this in the business. And his top priorities would be the KPIs and live activity. Um, because he's running a sort of transactional business at the moment, it's he would want to keep to see like see what's going on. Um, he's built some dashboards internally to track. So I, I mentioned his business is he's setting up like a window cleaning um, to manage like the window cleaning uh, bookings and going. So there's a lot of um, exchanges happening between you know the supplier and the end customer. Um, so he's built like an initial admin bit to manage that, but he kind of wants a lot more higher level sort of um, metrics on how they're actually performing and sort of the live jobs um, and things like that. And yeah, he mentioned sort of the KPIs and, and things like that, but also to be able to support sort of incoming webhooks um, so that you're able to trigger sort of custom event-based notifications. Um, and they would, that's sort of along the same lines as what we were talking about with the sort of the next stage or the MVP that we were going to launch, where we had sort of the view of all the activity going on, the idea of top level KPIs at the, the top of the page and being able to sort of push information into this dashboard. Mm. So I guess my first kind of question is like the practicality and the implementation of this. How do we make it accessible enough that someone similar to who you're talking about maybe has the tenacity and the um, technical skill to build a type of dashboard like this, but maybe doesn't know in depth like how you could set it up so you get like live events and all that. Mm. How do we connect the two? How do we make it so it's accessible? Is it we plug straight into a database, which obviously has security implications and, and still like some setup costs um because we need to know like which tables are we looking at what data are we aggregating is it like incoming data through zapier type integrations mm. i guess that's kind of the next the next thing to explore is i think we know what yeah we kind of know what it's, the how. it's now like how yeah um and i think that we just need again more insight because obviously this is a from sounds of it service type business like a maybe yeah. double-sided marketplace type deal. And that's very different to say if we were solving the problem for Airbyte, which is a agency studio type approach. Um, billing's very different. One's quite automated, one's probably not at all. Hmm. Um, but you kind of want to support both. I think we, and this is kind of one of the points I want to talk about this week is kind of like focusing in on that niche of who's our customer um, I think in the past, we've always had good success with products that are quite niche. Um, and generally they say, if you want to do, um, 
this type of business, this type of product and this type of business, um, you should hone in on niches as much as possible. So I think we need to decide what's our niche and is that just small business, you know, one to five people uh, to start mm. and not worry about sectors, but then that still feels quite broad. Like, as I just pointed out, that example might, might have very different requirements. Um, yeah, so I guess for the next week, we need to just continue exploring that and getting into, I, I would say, the nitty gritty of mm. how someone would go through and set this up. How do you make it accessible? Yeah. We had a similar experience with Wild Goose when we first came on board. We wanted some high level metrics and KPIs. Um, and I was looking for a long time to find a tool that was suitable, that didn't cost, that didn't have a requested demo for the pricing page. Mm. Um, so there's definitely some space in here, but it, at the same time, it needs to be really accessible for people to to go in. There's, there's one kind of product I've seen called Trevor.io, a great name. Um, and they are trying to make like plug into your database type reporting really easy and accessible and you build it up in steps. Really nice, really clean products. Um, but I still think it's almost too technical like for for some types of business owners and some people. Um, yeah, I think one of the, a good point he made was he sort of mentioned that longer term historical reporting, he would probably build himself, but this would provide that kind of real time feed for the day. And that's really nice and quite a nice way of looking at it, I guess. It's that, yeah, it's kind of the real time element um, of having just an overview of, of what's going on. And, and it kind of fits that having it running you know, on a separate screen or a separate tab or something as you're going about your daily work, um, just to keep an eye on. So I guess we're, we're kind of going into the realm of Gecko board, bare metrics, yep. that yep. type of product. So I guess, which we haven't really looked at in that much depth for this proposition, because this proposition was always previously a bit more around HR type tools yep. um, and what they're capable of. And we found yep. that that wasn't quite where we wanted or where we felt the problem was, um, you know, the, the app is called highlight and we're trying to stick true. We're trying to keep true to that where it's, we want to highlight and celebrate achievements, micro wins, that type of thing. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess we need to do a bit more research around that. Um, yeah. another point I wanted to kind of make up and I've been listening to a few podcasts just around and this is this has always generally been a, again another kind of mantra around you need to build an audience to to sell your products to um and I guess that's something we should probably start looking at and what we can contribute what we can contribute to the community to kind of get um some emails and some like subscribers and just try and you know obviously podcasting is one way but I guess trying to ex diversify and expand our audience um yeah. And if we're looking at the target customer, as I just said, like one to five small startups, so I guess we're going to need to start sharing a bit more of our experiences from the, uh, the air by days. Yeah. And um, yeah, he did mention sort of Gecko board as well, because it is going towards that metric sort of dashboard. Um, it is a ripoff, in my opinion, from for what it actually does. It's quite expensive and is Ooh, over. Shots uh, fired. <laughs> it is. Um, there are alternatives as well, but yeah, they're all very high price point. And for a small team, like we're mentioning, it's it's a lot to 
invest in it. Yeah, I, I feel as well with Gecko Board, I've always been turned off by the fact that like I go through the effort, but I'm going through the effort of connecting everything, putting all of my metrics in place, and then I'm having to pay to mm -hmm. kind of keep that, like retain that effort that I once put in. It feel, yeah, that's yeah. that grates me, and I really don't want that like setup. I want it to be kind of. I don't know. I, I don't know. But it, yeah. yeah, it feels like I should be rewarded a bit better for either the efforts I put in. Um, I think they have a decent trial, to be fair. But yeah, I feel like I should be rewarded better for the effort I put in. And then some form of, obviously, we want to build a recurring revenue business, but it just doesn't sit right. It feels like if I'm not gaining value month on month, why would I subscribe? So yeah, um, I'm chatting again uh, today with another um, sort of company in a similar bracket who I've talked to before, but I just wanted to sort of formulate, yeah, off the back of this feedback to see if it's sort of along the same lines. And, and then I guess we can start to, yeah, how, how are we going to actually make it easy for people to plug in these different sources and um, build up that wireframe that you made last week into, I guess it's, the, the style that we used before was really nice, actually. So it could fit quite well still. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it low fidelity because yeah. um, I think people can get distracted by, as we have yeah. done, where you look at some screens and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that looks really yeah. interesting. Like you've got all the people in one place and, you, and you've got all these yeah. like, notifications. But then when you when you actually start looking at the problems that you're solving and, and start assessing it by that, you're like, actually, there's not much substance here. Yeah. Um, cool. OK, so let's move on. So, yeah, next week, hopefully we'll have a bit more update around that, a bit more research. And I'm going to. Yeah, try and think about building an audience and all mm. that without being too influencer-y because I don't like that. Yeah, it's got it's got to be around talking about your problems and finding a common yeah a common problem that you can sort of talk about and discuss with other people, I guess. Or just sharing a bit more about our current journey, yeah. like what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, I feel yeah. we're going into quite a bit of depth with with what we're talking about and quite a bit of transparency. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure yeah. some people would find value is just trying to advertise that a bit more. Yeah. Um, last week, we spoke a bit about um, motorcycle parking. I haven't done anything on this. I've been kind of sitting on it and thinking a bit more about it. I'm just kind of seeing what society brings, really, with with early mm -hmm. July and see if, if people are still kind of reclusive, um, in which case there's probably not much effort in there, but not much desire. So, yeah, stay tuned for that on. Steve, you had a kind of light bulb moment, I think it was yesterday, where, and, you know, we wouldn't be the only people talking about this, but but where there's kind of this, as we spoke about earlier in the episode, opportunity around um, restaurants and establishments similar opening up. And one of the requirements around them opening up is they are being advised, strongly advised, to track who is who their customers are at a given time. Um, and there's kind of a bit, a bit of like uh, humor around it, where you have to go when you're ordering a pint in the pub, you have to then give over your name and address. Mm. And yeah, obviously, is there a tech solution for this? Um, you know, are, the government aren't certainly going to roll one out in the next week. But what, do you think that there's this is like a viable product? Yeah, I think there's the so it came off the back of looking at. Um, the regulations and the advice that the government's giving currently on their, their website and they're 
sort of a section at the bottom around Shack and Trace. And yeah, they, they are advising establishments to to keep records of, of that. And I guess it's to, if someone who's gone to a pub suddenly, or suddenly gets quoted, then they're able to track back and they have a record of maybe who was at that time in the same place and track and trace and all that stuff. And I, I guess the currently the regulations are fluffy in that they don't go into detail about what details are going to be captured. Um, you know, do you have to get the start and end date of their arrival and then, and then leaving again? And there's quite a few factors that are left undisclosed at the moment. And they said they're going to follow up with more information. But I guess, you know, I think building something that would, I mean, as a tech solution, it's not, it's not that hard, I don't think. The hard part is the data protection, making sure that people are able to give you details and, and things like that. Um, so I guess we could, if we did want to do it, build a solution that's pretty flexible in terms of uh, if they suddenly decide that they need to capture phone numbers, then we can add that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's the, I guess it's the experience that we want to make sure is seamless. But also, yeah, people, would people actually want to, or do they actually, are they going to put in their details? I guess it's would you? Um, yeah, I would. Yeah, same. Yeah. I think um, given the, the, the bigger picture, yeah. Um, you know, I I think we're we're both always advocates for privacy and everything, but at this point, and a lot of people are saying this this is really uh, uh, an oxymoron of GDPR. You know, it's meant to be GDPR is need to know information and everything, um, non specified details, that type of thing. Whereas this is the exact opposite. Is exactly when you arrived, yeah. where were you, who were you, where do you live, how do we contact you. Um, and I think now companies do have this dilemma, and it's, it's an easy dilemma morally, but this dilemma of do we leverage our marketing platforms to deliver this uh, solution? You know, our booking, you know, pretty much every booking portal hooks into a marketing suite. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever booked a table and not got a follow up email took yeah. the marketing at me. Whereas this is purely from a GDPR perspective, you know, I need to know in that health and safety is is obviously paramount and i think we both agree that that's fine like we don't mind giving our details over as long as they're agreed to be deleted after 14 days let's say which i think is appropriate but how do you then trust that the companies are doing this um you know you'd have to trust and evaluate almost every single establishment that you're going to which people don't have time for and then i think that will reduce the amount of of um trust and, and therefore commitment so there needs to be, a, I think, a, central, a pretty centralized system, whether this is government-led or not. We, you know, we, we're kind of hedging our bet that government won't be rolling out a system uh, anytime soon, given how the other systems have gone in so far. Um, topic, to discuss, topic to be discussed on another episode. Um, I think, yeah, there's, there's definitely room for a centralized system where that people can trust and people have like knowledge and access over their data and how it's been stored and shared with, um, the authorities. Cause kind of what you want to do as well is it starts to then leverage that and say, oh, your data has been requested. Like you, 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 someone's investigating around this data. So you're, you're probably going to get alert soon about COVID. Um, 
but yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't know if it's our place. I don't know if it's anyone's place other than like the government level and yeah. health authorities. Right. To Even really businesses. That. I mean, they have their best interest in the customers, but it's not their problem to solve. Um, no. It is the government, which is why it's it's quite hard to understand that. I mean, the government are kind of putting it on the businesses to create a system in place and things like that. And I guess that creates a need for this type of system at a affordable or pricing. But again, there's the argument that, okay, it's not the business's problem. The government needs to roll out a solution as fast as they can to solve it. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the old the old register book probably yeah. would cover this quite easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I imagine most pubs will do that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it's the it's the, the kind of stuff that I mean I can see it probably from on my straight up sort of Broadway market where pubs are open they've got the takeaway system in force. They've got a window open, things like that. I just I can imagine this QR code on the side just saying scan this, put your yeah. details and then you're in this system. Yeah, interesting to see uh see how that ends up and, and whether people commit to it. You know, there's a thing as well in practice, like how is this all going to play out? And I'm just interested to see that. And I'm yeah. sure there will be some companies that look to take advantage of yeah. of uh, this opportunity, but hopefully they do the right thing with it. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. So before we wrap up, um, any stock tips this week? Apparently we're a stock podcast <laughs> as well now. So, um, well, yeah, I get um, Well, over the last, so this week, really, the stocks have been dipping quite drastically. So most stocks have taken a, a decrease, even the tech products that were high before. And I guess people are thinking that the, uh, the tech valuations at the moment are pretty probably overhyped in terms of the stock market. So I, people are thinking uh, it's the sell-off period of people sort of getting back to norm on how they're treating things. But yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes over the next um, couple of days. The, the interesting thing, I guess, is I don't know heavily vested in Snapchat, <laughs> mainly because the um, uh, they had a their own little um, partner announcements last week, maybe. So they, they kind of, they're, they're, it seems like they're aiming to be the AWS, the Amazon Web Services for like apps. Um, and this is a really clever move because it, it really, even if Snapchat dies a really sudden death in the next couple of years or months um, and is no longer relevant, they will probably be powering whatever comes next. And yeah, I think it's a really clever move. It really opens up like capabilities for other people. Um, and it's it helps people like recognize Snapchat in other places, which obviously helps Snapchat brand. Um, yeah. So yeah, very clever. And how's yeah. that stock doing since? Uh, they did, yeah, they've been growing since. They've been growing really well, actually, over the last couple of months, anyway. Well, not months, so whenever sort of the, the, the COVID hit, and then they've just been growing um, since. And and they, yeah, I think it's, it is interesting. And I think they are trying to, they're trying to move, yeah, like you say, to more of an awareness of um, building. So say if they enable, like, login with chat, Snapchat or share, share with Snapchat, it sort of it allows companies to embed Snapchat sort of brand and things into maybe products that they couldn't have hit before and markets that they couldn't have hit before. So it, hopefully 
yeah, they're, they're kind of growing that side of it, which is nice. The snap kits, like feature base is really strong. Um, they've got the login of Snapchat, they've got the share with Snapchat, but you can also utilize the, the technology, like the augmented reality camera, camera kit into your app as well. Um, so you don't have to build your own, you don't have to sort of uh, plug in with Apple's technology. You can basically just use the Snapchat's amazing um, technology within your own app, uh, which cool. is very cool. Um, and then they also introduced stories. So they were the first ones to do stories. And then Instagram, Facebook um, sort of replicated it. But they are now having that as a service. So you can plug in stories into your app and you don't have to share with Snapchat. You don't have to do anything. It's just the technology behind it, um, which is really cool. Um, so you can use it for you know enterprise apps if you wanted to. And there's no relation back to Snapchat. Nice. Um, cool. And then final, any products this week that you'd like to uh, highlight? Yeah, so I came across a product called Meter, um, which is a Mac app, which kind of plugs into your calendar and allows you to easily join um, your meeting. So everyone's got their own, um, you know, various numbers of Google Meets or Zoom calls during the day. And it just, it's kind of a, a menu item in the top, which allows you to easily join them. So you don't have to go in Chrome browser, get calendar up, click on it and then join. You can just um, click on it, drops down and then with one click, you can join whatever call that your next meeting is on. And I find it really cool. Initially, like uh, as soon as I saw it, it was just like, yeah, I'll use it. Yeah, it's it's really it's quite swish. Um, I think it's a in the developer behind yeah. it or a small team behind it. Um, yeah, and you can set up speed dials as well, which um allows you to really quickly call someone who you preset. Um, this is not a sponsored ad. Should point out. Um, it's just a decent product, and I I think they it was free for beta. Um, but now it's a, a reasonable purchase, um, definitely worth it. I guess, yeah, generally this week, um, for me, startups.co.uk released their top 100 startups every year. At Airbike, we were always quite interested in this because it was pretty much like a client list or potential client list of people that had probably recently raised and are seemingly on an upward trajectory. Um, typically, we find with those types of companies, they they aren't moving as fast as they want or they aren't being able to grow the team as quickly as they would like. Um, so it was kind of ripe for a studio to, a studio to come in and help them. Um, yeah, and there's some obviously interesting, there's some friends of ours that were um, on there. And um, yeah, it's interesting to see kind of where the industry is sitting. There was a lot of events type companies in there and a lot of venue type companies in there. I don't know if this, this was collated pre-COVID or not, because it made no reference to it. Um, and obviously there is, you know, that, that sector is, has shrunk considerably since. And I'm be surprised if a lot of those startups don't pivot um, or fail to exist in the next year. But yeah, there's obviously a lot of hype around venues and like catering and, and basically like fulfillment of that, that side of things. Um, and then services, you know, insurance type products are always pretty solid and they, they seem to be booming as well so yeah it's an interesting list one to check out if you are interested in uk businesses that are doing um well again not a sponsored ad yeah 
Um, yeah, finally, I came across um, a product called Kazoo. Uh, I came across them because they recently were valued as a unicorn, which is, I think, they were the fastest UK company to become a unicorn or had a valuation of becoming, you know, the billion, uh, billion pound valuation. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, I think they finished. They, they closed uh, one of the funding rounds yesterday or the day before, um, which wow. pushed that valuation. So yeah, big backing. And I, I liked it just because of the delivery factor that you can order a car online because they deliver it to you in like a couple of days. I find that really exciting. And if I was buying a car, I'd probably look there first over other places. Yeah, they do a, a clever job of like, um, they've got professional photos and each, they it, they actually photo every single car that comes through the platform in a professional manner, show you any defects. Um, it's, re- it's quite well executed. Well, it's really well executed. Um, but it's interesting because the proposition itself is not that much different. If you take away that delivery factor, the APR is pretty similar. And there's no like cost saving because they're doing it at scale or automated. It's just we're taking this pretty mundane industry, pretty mundane uh, transaction, and we're just facilitating it a lot quicker. And it's kind of like the mattress model, right? Where the mattresses that you get direct to consumer. It, it's the ease, right? It's like the customer experience first. It's, to, yeah. it's like the yeah, over service your customers to provide a really good um, offering. No matter like how mundane that service actually is in yeah. when you boil it down, you know, buying a car is a very strict transaction process. Does the car work? <laughs> you haggle a little bit. I guess you don't have to haggle. That's an interesting point. And uh, yeah, I just interesting like how they how they operate on margins and things. I'd be interested to learn a bit more about that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Um, yeah, I think we covered quite a bit in this episode. So yeah, we'll be back next week uh, with an update on our uh, highlight products. I'll put some links in the show notes around the products that we've been talking about, as well as uh, links to uh, our Twitter account so you can follow us if you if you feel you want to thanks for listening catch you next week cool thanks